Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Of our Lifehouse family, today we start a brand new sermon series called Jesus Is... Fill in the blank. Jesus is fill in the blank. If somebody asked you, like Carrie did, Carrie Jones, Asian Rock, actually not the Asian Rock, he actually corrected me. He said Blasian Rock. He said, no, I'm not Asian, I'm Blasian. It's like, okay, okay, bro, whatever you say, all right? The Blasian Rock, right? Carrie went around asking people in tech center who... Who do you think Jesus is? And, of course, you saw different, different answers there. I think on this planet, there's about 7.5 billion people. You, we, the, we would probably say if you asked 7.5 billion people who is Jesus, there would probably be 6.5 billion answers. Why? Because everyone is intrigued with and everyone has a different opinion and viewpoint as to who this Jesus guy is. I mean, we, here's, here's the thing. You have had cultures try to get rid of Bibles, Jesus, but Jesus keeps on popping up. He's like a daggone dandelion. People try to pull him up, get him out of here, throw him out, but they can't get out the root. I almost fell, just to let y'all know. It's all wet over here. We need a sign, a yellow sign, because that would have gone on YouTube. And I'd be in the mercy room right, right now, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, funny, but not funny. Uh, but it's like, we don't know what to do with Jesus. We, like, we just don't know because it's like as much as people want him gone, as much as, as different countries want him gone and governments want him gone, he just keeps on popping up. But I think the truth is, is, is that Jesus won't go away. He won't. So we've, since he won't go away, we've got to ask ourselves genuinely, if Carrie came up to us and asked, Jesus is what, what would you answer? What would you say? Because the bottom line is this, y'all. Jesus is the most influential human being that has ever lived on this planet. There's not even a close second. You have secular historians that don't even believe what Jesus said was actually true, saying Jesus was the most influential person. Let me give you a couple of them. Steve, Stephen Neal, he said this. He says, he who says Jesus also says history. H.G. Wells, he said this. I am an historian. Get this. I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Philip Schaff said this, no great life ever passed so swiftly, so quietly, so humbly, so far removed from the noise and commotion of this world. And no great life after it's, it close, uh, it's close excited such universal and lasting interest. Kenneth Scott said this, he said, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on this planet. These, God, these aren't even Christians. 
These aren't even people that even believe what Jesus said was, was actually true. But these are people saying, this Jesus is the most influential dude on the planet. And here's what we've got. We've got to answer the question, who is Jesus to you? We can't just throw him out. He confronts all of us and says, who am I to you? And we've got to fill in that blank. What is that blank to you? Some of y'all say Jesus, some of y'all say Savior, some of y'all say a fake, some of y'all say a phony, some of y'all would say he's a, he's a myth, some of y'all would say he's a cool teacher, he's a good moral philosopher, he's a good teacher. I'm sure the answers vary, but we've got to all come to grips with that question and answer it. And here's the thing, there's, like I said, there's 6.5 billion answers to this thing. I, I'm doing a three-week series, so I got three weeks. So we're not going to get to everything Jesus is, but at the same time, I believe there are specific things in, in our church context right now that, the, the, when I was praying about what to put in this series that I thought was what you needed to hear and, and, and what the context of our church needed, God gave me three specific things. And today, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is our rest, Jesus is our rest. If I was to ask you, if we were to be sitting down in a coffee shop, and I said this, how are you doing? How are you doing? Your, your, you know, your first answer would probably be, be like some cultural colloquialism that we've come up with. Oh, I'm good. 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 Things are great. Couldn't be better. Amazing. Busy. A little stressed. But do you know who the worst people are? Church people. <laughs> Especially in church. We know that's true, right? Like, you know, in church, we're going on Sundays. Hey, how's it going, brother? I'm good, blessed, highly favored. The head and not the tail. I'm before and not beneath. Glory. Doing awesome, pastor. Awesome. And the whole time, like, you're falling apart. I remember my dad, right? I think that's my dad right there with our grandson, Jackson. That's my dad. Say, what's up, dad? That's my dad. But anyway, we've grown up in, in church all the time, right? And I remember one time dad and I, we were at church sitting in the back. And the pastor, when he got done preaching, he, he would always walk through the center aisle and kind of like shake hands, stuff like that. And then I remember specifically one time the, the pastor got done preaching. He was walking through and, and my dad put his hand out, shook the pastor's hand. The pastor was like, how you doing, man? And dad was like, I'm doing great, pastor. And then I just re remember him looking back at me and saying, why did I say that? I'm not doing well at all. I just love that honesty. It's like, why did I tell him that? I'm not really doing too well. I'm not doing well at all. But that's the way we're trained to be in church. Like, we're trained to, like, it's not okay to not be okay. Like, church is, like, the worst place for us to fake it. Because we have been taught, if you aren't doing okay, then that's a lack of faith. Well, you must not have good faith. Oh, you're struggling? Oh, well, you just need to learn more Bible verses. Oh, you're struggling. Well, you should have came to the prayer meeting. Yep, that's what happens when you skip prayer. You know, it's, it's like we consider almost church like the place where it's like almost allowable to be fake. 
And when someone says, hey, how are you doing? They're not really asking that to ask how you're doing. They're more just acknowledging you, <laughs> right? Like, have you ever had someone on Sunday, how's it going? Then they really start telling you. And, and you're like, oh, well, I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. But, but honestly, if, if I was to ask you and you were to put past the cultural colloquialisms of I'm good, you know, it's busy, but you were actually going to deep down tell me how are you doing, what would you say? But then also, too, as a pastor, I get the opportunity to kind of ask awkward questions. It's kind of a cool pastor thing that I can do. Sometimes I'll ask this, how is your soul? How's your soul? Some people give me that look like, I got a soul? Really? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, how is your soul? Essentially saying, how are things on the inside? How are things in your heart? And, 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 and really, honestly, what I find is that in the church, we do a great job of trying to do just like get you hyped up, but we don't deal with the inside of us. We don't deal with the soul part of us. And, that's where, and that is actually where we live from. But I think if we're completely honest, my guess today is that you are stressed, you're frazzled, you're anxious, you're worrisome, you're heavy burdened. But because you're an adult, you, you, can't, you, know, you can't do things you want to do because you're an adult, right? So sometimes kids, they will act out how we want to act but we can't because we're grown. Sometimes I'll tell Kristen that. Like, you know, Jackson or Judah, they'll be just going buck wild crazy. I'm like, babe, that's what we want to do, but we're an adult. We don't got that right, right? It's like, we can't do that. But you're probably stressed. And honestly, looking up stats about stress stressed me out. Because looking at them, the stats aren't good, y'all. And, and, and I mean, Gallup polls, they've been done 80% of people identified as being highly stressed. My guest today is you're super busy. You have a lot of responsibilities day in, day out, from kids to job to sports teams, business stuff with your boss, caring for, for, family, for family matters, church responsibilities, marriage responsibilities. And based on your personal, um, I don't know, personality makeup, if you're a people pleaser, a workaholic, all of these things get magnified. And what we typically do as people is we're good at stuffing and bottling because we don't want to actually tell people or share with people how we're doing because we're scared of how that person will think of us. So we end up bottling, putting it in, and we get to the point where we really need rest. We really need a break. But let me tell you, this country is the worst at resting. 37% of people in this country take less than seven vacation days per year. I'll be honest. Growing up, my family didn't take family vacations. We took family days. Like, I'll be honest, a vacation to us was a day to Bush Gardens. <laughs> All right? Think about it this way also. People in the United States take the shortest paid vacations of anybody in the world. 20% of those who do still stay in touch with work through their phones and, and, com and their phones and computers. Isn't that true? Where you, like, try to leave work, but your work doesn't leave you? because it's always with you, it's always on. We pride ourselves in this country of grinding, working harder, getting ahead, striving to get gains so we can get there, whatever there is, so we strive and kill ourselves to get to this place that we're not even sure, whether it's financially, family, whatever, of we're like, once I get there, then I'll be good. And we think efficiency is the key. It's not that we just need to do it faster 
A.J. Swoboda says, says this, our time-saving devices, te technological conveniences, and cheap, mo and cheap mobilities have seemingly made life much easier and interconnected. As a result, we have more information at our fingertips than anyone in history, yet with all this progress, we are ominously dissatisfied in bowing at these sacred altars of hyperactivity, progress, and technological compulsivity. Our souls increasingly pant for meaning and value and truth as they wither away, exhausted, frazzled, displeased, ever on edge. Our bodies wear Ragged, our spirits thirst, we have an inability to simply sit still and be. As we drown ourselves in a 24-7 living, we seem to be able to do anything but quench our true thirst for the life of God. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. The HBO just came out a few weeks back with a, a documentary called One Nation Under Stress. Looking at the effects of stress and how literally we are tearing apart at the seams as people, as stress, as overwork, hyperactivity, never turning off, never taking a break, are bearing so many health issues in this country. So in the, I mean, can y'all just feel that? Can, can y'all feel that tension? The culture that we live in that pushes you to work harder, grind harder, get more, accomplish more? And about how it's, it's making us almost be insane. And we just try to move on and get a vacation. That's what we need. We just need a, more vacation. We just think we need some other fix. If we just get this thing or that dollar amount in our bank account, then whatever we're feeling will we'll just go. But is it working? Jesus offers us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus comes on scene here. And he offers us. In invitation. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, and yoke simply means teaching. Take my teaching upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. What he was saying here is for those of you who are weary, burden, heavy laden, like you, you feel that stress. Jesus offers you invitation. He says, come, come unto me. What I give you will be a light burden. But, but isn't it true that many times the church hasn't made people's burdens lighter? They've made them heavier. What I mean by that is the church has done a great job many times of doing this in particular. Hey, you should change. Good luck with that. Get better. Have fun trying. The church preaches all of these different morals about things that we should actually live up to. And then when people actually need practical help, someone to actually walk beside them, the church is like, yep, sorry. And honestly, this is the culture Jesus came, came into. Jesus came into a weary and burdened culture that was full of of basically pastors and religious leaders that were putting burdens on people and telling them, hey, God requires this and God, and God requires that, but hey, we're not going to help you. Check this out, Matthew 23, 1 through 4. This is what Jesus said. He said, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. 
They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them or a finger to help them. Jesus here is calling out religious leaders who tell people to do things, but don't come beside them and help them do them. And the church has been good at that. And I just want to apologize. If that has been you, if the church, instead of saying, this is what Jesus' burden is, and basically saying his burden is light, instead it has felt like a huge burden to you, I want to apologize if the church hasn't come beside you and said, hey, let's carry this thing together. Because the church has done a, a great job at this. I'm telling people, yeah, just, just change, but good, good luck with that. But what we see here, Jesus' offer is simply a continual, a, a continualness of Jesus revealing the character of God. Think about it. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created he created stuff in six days, and then what did he do on, this, on the seventh day? He rested. So the God who is all-powerful, all-seeing, omnipotent, all-omnipresent, takes a day off. Cool. And then you, you think about it. Jesus, excuse me, Israel. God chooses a people. Israel, he says, look, I'm going to take you and I'm going to create a people that are going to resemble me that I'm going to use to show myself through. He, he, he rescues them out of slavery and brings them into a brand new land and sets up, you know, guidelines for them. Think about the top 10 list, the 10 commandments, right? The, the 10 commandments, the fourth one is simply this, have a Sabbath day and keep it holy. Essentially cease from work for one day and separate that and don't do any any work. Now the thing is, Israel came out from 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 a different place where they worked seven days a week from sunup to sundown, and God was saying, "Look, that's for the birds. Like that is not for you. Like you you are going to be my people, and as my people, you are going to work six and have a day that you can enjoy the fruit of your labor instead of thinking your your purpose and your identity is wrapped up in what you accomplish." He said, "I want you to take a day off." He says, I want you to rest. That word Sabbath simply means to cease. Simply means to just not do any sort of work. So the thing is, is you've got God's character, God's strategy for his people. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, look, I want to offer you a rest. Those of you who are weary, who are burdened, my offer to you is not a heavy burden, a heavy yoke. My gift to you, my invitation to you is one of rest. And some of y'all need that rest today. I was just praying, and, and, and so many of you, you need the rest of God. You're frazzled, you're heavy burdened in your soul, and you know it. And I, but here's the thing. I think we need to really know what Jesus is talking about, about here whenever he talks about this, this, this rest that, that Jesus offers. First off, I believe this. When, whenever Jesus gives us this invitation, this rest is spiritual, or it's for your body, but also for your soul. It's also for your soul. What Jesus says here, he says, I want to give you a rest for your soul. What this simply speaks to is Jesus saying, you no longer have to work at earning the approval of God. You don't, it's not something achieved, it's something received. Let me break this down for you, okay? So many of us strive our whole lives to earn a love from God that we can't earn. I hope you know that. Like there is not any amount of good works that you can do to make God love you more. None. 
Scripture says this, that even our good works done, done by ourselves are, are like filthy rags. That it, that it doesn't matter. Why? Because we have such a deep debt with God because of our sin. There is no amount of goodness we could do to earn a relationship with God. So step in Jesus. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live, and that was a perfect life. Died the death you should have died in your place and for your sin. And Jesus earned what you, Jesus did the work so you could rest. Jesus did the work that you could not do, but gives you the benefit of his labor. And that is a right relationship, a right soul, right relationship with the God of heaven and earth. Why? Because because of our sin, we're separated from God. And sin is simply a churchy world, uh, a churchy word that's kind of like, you do what you want, boo-boo. Like, you do you, right? And we've all got that, that particular n- n- nature in us but whenever we submit to Jesus what we actually do is we put our faith and trust in Jesus's good work instead of trusting our good works and what God gives us is a supernatural rest to to then now we don't live our life trying to earn God's approval we live from God's approval that Jesus earned and freely gives us You've probably heard this before if you've been in church, but we are saved. In other words, we have a right relationship with God by grace through faith. By grace means you can't earn it, it's a gift, and by faith means you simply put your trust in it. It means this, you can have a rest in your soul that God loves you, he cares for you, he'll never leave you or, or forsake you. When you put your faith and trust in him, God gives you Jesus's life to where now when God sees you, he doesn't see your good works, bad works. He sees Jesus's good work. And now his good work is credited to your account to know where you have right relationship with God, not based on anything you've done, but because of Jesus's good work. And do you know what this should do? It should free you from the tyranny of trying to earn a right relationship with God that you could never earn any anyway. You simply receive it. Some of y'all have lived your whole life trying to get the approval of God when you've already got it. Imagine a child that wanted nothing more than to have his father's approval. And they lived their whole life. They worked hard at getting good grades. They worked hard on their sports teams. They worked hard in different avenues that their dad liked just to get his approval. And all they wanted throughout their whole life was just their dad to say they're proud of them was just for their dad to, to just look into their eyes and just say, I value you, I'm proud of you, I see what you're doing. And you worked your whole life and strove your whole life, but never heard it. So you just kept on working harder, working harder, working harder, thinking if you just work harder, then my dad's gonna notice me. And you're trying to earn the approval from him. But that's not what God's like, y'all. Do you know what God's, God's like? You've got approval not for what you do, but because of who you are. And now you don't have to live your life for the approval of God. You can live your life already from his approval. So now all the good that you do isn't done because you have to, because you're trying to earn something. It's I get to because of whose son I am. And I'm trying to live up to this God that I serve and whose name I bear. And it translates, it frees you from the, the tyranny of working so hard to earn an approval that only God gives That is the good news, folks. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus did what you could not do and gave you what you did not earn. Jesus did the work but gave you the benefit. It's a soul work. 
Jesus frees you from the tyranny of working for what only he can give. Now, this doesn't mean we stop working. See, see, you know what I'm saying? Let me tell you, Christians do this well. I'm saved by grace. I got to do nothing else. Right? Well, oh, Jesus is my rest. He rested so I could do whatever I want. No, he didn't. No, he, he, he said you don't have to work so hard now, but that doesn't mean that you just rest. That means simply this. What you do now has purpose. What you do now isn't to earn. You now do things from a now I get to instead of a now I have to to earn something. It's not just your soul rest, though. I believe God offers us a physical rest. Some of y'all are workaholics like myself. You find joy in working long hours. It's a joy. But the thing is, I believe that God not only offers us a physical rest or a soul rest, he also offers us a physical rest. And this is actually played out in actually taking a Sabbath ceasing day where, we're, where, where we don't work and put out. We simply set aside a day to simply receive and be filled up. But I will be honest with you. I am a workaholic. I like working. And this year I have asked God, show me why I love working so much. And what I have seen is that there are a lot of things in me that are unhealthy and maybe you could identify with them. I like working hard hours many times because I like control. I'm a control freak. Maybe you're there. You won't take a day off because you'll lose control. And you like being in control. And it scares you. Secondly, maybe you won't take a day off because you are a people pleaser. You hate saying no. So you'd rather have the burden of saying yes and living with the consequences rather than saying no and thinking, well, what's that person think about me? If I say no... Oh, my God. Are they going to like me? And so, basically, at your job, you keep on taking on tasks that you know are not yours, but you're scared to say no because you are a people pleaser. Maybe you are like myself, and you love the feeling of accomplishment. I just do. I like, I like completing something. Ministry-wise, you don't complete many things. Why? Because people are never finished. It's not like I can just go and talk to someone. Okay, great. I'm glad you're perfect. Bye. No. Ministry could be a never-ending cycle where you could pour, pour your life into it. The occupational hazard of being a pastor is stuff is never done. There's always another person to reach. There's always some other person to talk to. There's always some other person that's in crisis. And my occupational hazard is that I will leave behind my my family to try and save everyone else, but not pour into and invest in those closest to me and most important to me. It's true. But, there, but I'm telling you, there have been many times that, that I've chosen what is less important because I like accomplishing. Maybe you're like me too, and you're, you're just scared to fail. So you dump yourself into work seven days a week. Don't, don't, don't take no time off, and you're just scared to fail. Maybe also, too, it's, it's because you're scared to be in lack. You're like, I need one more zero in, in that bank account. I need, need, need. Like, you are scared to not have enough. And it's these things that are keeping you from taking or putting a rhythm into your life of having a day set aside to rest. Now, I'm a complete hypocrite speaking about this, okay? 
I speak to you preaching to myself. I'm going to respond to my own altar call. I'm going to come pray for myself. I'm going to go out in the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm, I need deliverance. I'm preaching to me right now. I need to be delivered. Because I love control. I'm scared of failing. I love accomplishment. I can be a people pleaser. And I'm scared to be in lack. So those things, those deep insecurities will always push me to working more, working more, working more, accomplishing more, and relying less on God's sovereignty, on God's faithfulness, on God's goodness, and God's word. And what God wants to do in your life is he wants to relieve you from the tyranny. He wants to relieve me from the tyranny and the, get this, illusion that I'm in control. And that's what the Sabbath breaks. Check this out. Marvin, uh, Marvin Dawn said this. She said, on the Sabbath, we deliberately remember that we have ceased trying to be God and instead have put our lives back into his control. Concentrating on God's lordship in our lives enables us to return to his sovereign hands all the things that are beyond our control and terrifying us. Once those things are safely there and as long as we don't stupidly take them back again, our emotions can find true truly comforting and healing rest. The bottom line is this, resting is an act of faith. Resting is you saying the world doesn't rely on you. Resting is saying I trust God to provide. Resting is saying I'm, I, I am going to, I am not in charge. This world doesn't revolve around me. God, is, God alone is sovereign. Some of you today, your action step from this sermon is going to be working into your crazy schedule a 24-hour period of time where you simply receive and you don't give out. Because here's the thing, you can blame stuff. Oh, I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but the issue is you're not taking time to fill yourself up. You're consistently giving and giving and giving and giving. And then whenever you take a day to actually rest, then you feel guilty. You can feel, and I've been there. Like, I felt guilty for taking time off. You know, I, well, people matter, and they, you know, they need me there. And, 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 and I'm not their savior. I'm not everyone's save, savior. Here's the thing. I believe God's rest is spiritual. He saves your soul from the tyranny of trying to earn what you've been freely given. And secondly, it, 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 he gives us a rest to our bodies and freeing us from the tyranny that we're in control. But also, too, I believe the rest that Jesus invites us to is also one that doesn't mean our life gets easier. Because I think some people think, oh, Jesus is offering me to rest. All oh, my problems are going to just disappear. So we can think Jesus is invitation to us is one of an easier life, which could be further from the truth. I'm sorry if someone lied to you and said, once you start to follow Christ, your, your life will get easier. Because they straight lied to you. And you need to go back and smack them in the face. I'm just kidding. But you need to go back and give them a hug and be like, you were wrong. Because there has been, you know, this whole teaching where if you follow Jesus, you'll just be healthy, wealthy, and not sick. Had, did they read the Bible? Did they see Jesus? Did, did they see Paul? It's like, no, if you follow Christ, you are actually inviting, in some ways, more hardship into your life. And when Jesus offers us our rest, when, when he offers us rest, what he's saying is, I want to give you a shelter from the storm. 
I want to give rest for your soul that even in the midst of your crazy circumstances, in the middle of chaos, you will have a peace that surpasses all understanding because you have a supernatural rest that only Jesus gives. That's why Jesus said this one parable. He said, look, you are going to build your life on one of two things, rock or sand. He said, you're going to build your life on one of those two things, meaning this, that, you, that there is going to come a time to where you're going to have, and, and Jesus said this, it's, he, he said, when the storms happen, not if the storms happen. Jesus never promised us ease. He said, when the storms happen, what you've built your life on will be revealed. He says, you're either going to build your life on me and my words, or you're going to build it on what culture and what the world tells, tells you to. And there will come a point in your life that when the storms hit, what you've built it on will be revealed. And this is definitely my prayer, is that those who have built their life on Christ will speak to others, not that their circumstances are different, but they've got a supernatural peace in the midst of their chaos and craziness. Do you know how that speaks to other people? I, I believe this, that when chaos hits, that when you have tragedy happen, how you handle that speaks loudly to the world about who God is and what God's like and the God we serve. Because if, if we don't have a greater peace, we've got to examine what are, what are we building on? Who do we believe Jesus to be? Is he really our rest? Is he really resting in a safe place? Follow, when Jesus offers us rest, he doesn't mean easier, but he does mean it could be a shelter from the storm. It does mean that in the marathon of life, you, ha you have a place to go to catch your breath. And today, some of you need that. Some of you in your spirits and in your hearts right now, you try to play the church thing. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, I'm great, John. Bless you, pastor. I'm great. But you know, inside your soul right now, you're falling apart. You're, and you're bottling. And you know today, you need a supernatural encounter with God. That he's going to fill your lungs with breath. He's going to fill you. He's, he's going to fill you with his rest. You're going to have a new sense of his presence like you've never felt before. Not that the circumstances in your life will change, but your peace in the midst of the chaos will be different. Because you'll stop thinking you're in control. You'll stop thinking, I matter so much. And you'll know, no, I, got, I just got to stop working and let God work. I'm going to rest. Also, too, though, I believe Jesus' Jesus's offer comes to us. Worship team, y'all can come up. Jesus' offer to us his rest comes from a father, from the heart of a father, and not a dictator. What I absolutely love here is that whenever Jesus says, hey, I offer you this, this rest. I know you're burdened. I know you're weary. I know you're stressed. I know you're falling apart. And what I offer you is done from a humble and gentle heart. Put that back up for me. He, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come all of you who are burdened, come on. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And do you know whenever I hear those words, gentle and humble, I always think about a father. Here's the thing, I've got three boys that most of the time they act so crazy, I wanna choke slam them. I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. They actually ask me, they're like, daddy, choke, choke slam me on the bed. I'm like, okay. It's all in fun, that's okay. Please don't report me. We're, we're just doing wrestling moves, all right? Wrestling moves for Jesus, okay? But there are times they'll just be acting out and you can just tell stressed over whatever. And there are times where I just know the least thing they need in that, in that, in that moment is a smack on the butt 
They don't need the, the parent discipline talk. They don't need scared dad tactics, you know, stomping down the hall, like, you know, and then they get in their bed. You know, it's like, they don't need that. Do you know what they need? They need daddy's arms. And there have been times where they're just acting crazy and I just go up to them and give them a hug. And do you know what they do? Most of the time, they melt. Because they're just kind of like, okay, dad's got me. I'm secure. I'm safe. Dad's, dad's here. I can stop fighting. Stop trying to be in control. I can stop trying to earn dad's love. And, and he can just come and just, he can, you know what he does? He rests. And honestly, that's what I believe the heart of God is. He's humble and gentle. He's not going to force nothing on you. He's not going to be like, you better receive my rest. Nah. That's not his heart. You know what his heart is? I just think his heart looks something like this. I can almost see this, you know, this whole thing playing out. Stand up, Coach Moore. This is my guy here. It's my guy here, Mr. Mr. Coach Moore. God's delivered him years ago with drug addiction. He's using him in Cuba now to change lives through baseball. And uh, this is an incredible fellow right here, right here. But I can see God coming up to him. Stand up, man. I'm not done yet. Are you that old? Are your knees that bad? You can only stand up. Good Lord, man. Hey, be quiet. No, but think about it this way, though, right? I can see Jesus, right? coming up to you, me, whoever, and just kind of being like, what's up, Coach Moore? Hey, man, look, I can tell you're burdened. I can tell you're weary. I can tell you got a lot going on. And I know you try to fake it. I know you try to act like everything's fine, but I see it. I see what's going on in your heart. I see what's going on in, in your soul. I, I know what you do not need is some other vacation, is some other wife, is some other dollar in your bank account. What you ultimately need is a supernatural rest. You need to stop trying to earn my love. You need to stop thinking that, okay, that you control things and your future is in your hands and you simply need to have a supernatural rest. And the rest I give you is what your soul needs. And it will make your life not easier, but it will give you a supernatural rest and a supernatural peace that will feel like a shelter from the storm in the marathon of life. It will feel like breath in your lungs. And I wanna let you know I offer that rest to you today. If you want it, it's yours. My arms are open wide. Thank you. I'm serious, man. That's what I feel. That's what I feel Jesus is saying to you today. If Jesus was here and he could see into your heart and he could see into your pain and he could see into your soul and see the frazzledness that you have, the stress you have, the anxiety that you have, he wants to offer you a supernatural rest today. And he's gentle and humble. He's not saying do this or else. That's not the heart of a father. The heart of a father is they're open wide. They're ready when you are. And I believe there's so many of you today, you need to take the mask off. You, you, you need to stop bottling. And God wants to literally give you a supernatural rest today. Can we all stand, church? I believe today that God, 
that God wants to do a couple things. First off, the first thing is this. You need a soul rest. You've been trying to earn what only God can freely give you. And, to, and today you need to receive God's soul rest of stop trying to earn his love and simply receive it. It's not something achieved. It's not something you work hard to get. It's something you just, you literally throw the hands up and say, I receive it. And that is the beginning where you receive God's love and not work for it. And all, and all you gotta do is simply say yes to Jesus. I know that's, that's just the beginning of, of this whole journey of following Christ, but it needs a beginning. And today you need a beginning. You, you need a fresh start. If you would bow your heads with me. I just, I just want to create a time of privacy. But if you would say, John, today, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive his love. I don't want to work for it. I want to receive it today fresh. I need a fresh start. I need a new start. I, I want to start this journey of knowing God's love and following it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all I'm gonna ask you to do, what we do here is we just ask you to say this. You can, you can say it loud or you can say it in your heart, whatever, you, but just say yes in this moment. Just say yes. And by you saying yes, that simply means you are receiving. You're opening up the door of your heart to receive God. Listen, if you said yes today, I'm gonna ask you just to take one more step. We wanna simply ask you to fill out a card for us and simply, why? Because we wanna celebrate first off, but secondly, we want to know who you are so we can come alongside you and help you on this brand new journey of following Christ. If you said yes to following Jesus today, whether it was out loud, privately, whatever, would you just, would you just lift a hand? Would you just, would you just lift a hand? I can't see, but at the same time, ushers, they've, they've got cards, they're gonna pass you one. If you would just take that card, fill it out, and turn it into us a couple, uh, uh, a couple different ways. We have somebody right here down in the front. If you just take that card, fill it out, and turn it into us, we simply want to do this. May I follow up with you and give you a few extra steps in following Christ and knowing what this soul rest truly is. Secondly, I just feel this. Some of y'all, you need a rest right now. You need a rest in your spirit and in your heart right now. And so look, this is what we're going to do. The band, they're gonna play. They're gonna play this song, Come to the Altar. And, and really what this song is, it's simply an invitation just like Jesus offered. It says his arms are open wide. I believe this, if you need a rest in your soul today, you need a moment right now where you need rest. You're so frazzled and stressed, you are at your breaking point and you need a time. You're tired of playing the game, you're tired of faking. I believe as you take a step of faith and come down to and, and, and come down front here, that some of you are literally gonna feel the arms of God, the arms of the Father wrapping around you. And you're gonna get a rest like you've never felt. You're gonna have a peace like you have never ever felt. And the thing is, it's not gonna just be here in this moment, it's gonna be as you walk out. That your life might not be different, your life might not get easier, but you'll have a supernatural rest in the midst of your chaos and craziness. So look, this is what I want to challenge you to do. If you need that rest today, I want to challenge you that as the band plays, to come down front, spread out, and as you take a step of faith, you're, you're going to see God move. Check it out. 
nothing special here. But at the same time, what is special is when you take a step of faith and say, God, I'm responding to your word. As we put feet to our confession and our faith, I believe God answers those sorts of prayers. So look, this is what we're gonna do. The band's gonna play. I wanna invite you. This is God's invitation. If you're weary, are you burdened? Come, come to me. Bring it to the altar. Lay it down and receive God's rest today. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much and God bless.